Hi, everyone. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Oz Comics Show. We've got Nicole Kane with us tonight, so um, let's get the show rolling. And it'd help if I press the right button. Nicole. Hey, guys. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Hi. Hey, 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 well, um, welcome back to the show again. Um, it's good yeah. to have you back. This time for a proper hour. So we this can talk time for a full hour. So, yeah, people for have a full to hour. the whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> so we can talk about more than just one book this time. So that's pretty exactly, cool. Exactly. Yeah, because you've got a few. So it's silly just to talk about the one. Um, so, I mean, some people wouldn't have seen the last show, so I'll just ask the same question again. Just tell us a little summary about yourself in the industry. Sure. So I've been writing for about five years now. Um, started comics coming off of cosplaying, basically. I uh, used to do national level cosplaying. And then after a lot, a lot of tears and stuff ups, I just went, I can't do this. So basically, um, we found a character, and it was Batwoman, and... You know, I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I love this character. I love everything about her. So I started researching her, started going into that backstory. And then um, we looked in the back of the, the actual books and we saw the scripts. And they were done by Greg Rucker. And we're like, oh, my God, you know, this is something that I can do. This is something that I can actually write. So, yeah, after that, I just cool. absolutely like wildfire took off. And I love doing it. Absolutely love doing it. Awesome, awesome, and you're very good at it too. So that's pretty cool. Ah. Always a bonus. Okay. Always a Some bonus. People think I'm good at it, me, yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. The ledgers disagree. I think they think you're good at it. <laughs> let's let's hope so. They think I'm good at it, but um, yeah, no. I, I the the point of it is it's really about the fun and bringing these characters that I yeah. you know sort of thought of to life and you know giving them a voice is super fun. And then when you see the finished product at the end, it's like, oh, my God, this is something I can hold in my hand. And it's just, you know, a work of art, but it's also a story in itself. So, yeah, Very yeah cool. I'm doing it. Not going to stop anytime soon. Excellent. Excellent. It's good to hear. Um, well, I think Jerome has a few questions for you. I might pass you over to him while I go grab my hat. <laughs> Fire away! <laughs> Fire away, Jerome. Hat at this time, man. I'm like, I'm like. Mm. Usually, people say I'm going to go grab a coffee or a tea, and it's a hat. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be well, different. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, ha I have a few a few questions for Nicole today. I mean, we'll uh, the last time we talked about fox and hound, so this time we'll be talking about your other books because I I, I was itching to ask you about the other books from from the last time, but <laughs> didn't get a chance to do so. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We were really focused on, uh, you know, Fox and Hound the first time. So, yeah, ask me anything. Yep. Okay. Let's start with one of your uh, your uh, Ledger Awardee book, I guess, with Chris uh, Pitcairn, uh, yep. Hell Courtesan. So uh, tell us something about Hell Courtesan first. Uh, what is it about? Okay. So this book 
sort of came from nowhere. Um, I'm really big into sort of legends in general. So just, you know, um, fairy tales, mythology tales, folklore, things like that. And it doesn't have to be just specifically from Japan. I kind of like them from around the world. And I did a stint of Japanese folklore for a while. I sort of just kind of fell into a rabbit hole of it. And then I found this really small story which was, of course, about the Hell Courtesan. And mm-hmm. it's actually based off some old paintings. And then I tried to get my hands on as much as I could, but there was not a lot of information. But they gave me the general consensus of the story, which was basically a woman who had made a deal with the devil for eternal beauty and youth, but she could yeah. never see it herself. She would see a skeleton in, in a mirror and things like that. And it was only when a monk came to visit her that she actually you know, sort of was able to combat this this demon or devil and actually get her soul back. So it's in these really beautiful, beautiful silk paintings. And yep. when I was sort of tossing around with this idea and I pitched it to Chris because I'd seen his Japanese work in the past and I thought, no, this is right up his alley. He was like, oh, my God, I love this idea. I love the characters. And then we sort of expanded on this world a little bit more. You know, we, we kind of pushed a little bit more of ourselves into it. We really expanded on the time period. We we did a bit mm-hmm. of research. You know, we looked at the, the outfits and everything. Um, and then from there, we actually, this was a, a pure miracle that's happened. The exhibit with those exact artworks was in Sydney while we were doing this. Oh. We actually got to see the actual artworks up on the wall and to see them in person and then to be writing and doing this story. I think I'd written the script at this point. We were doing the artwork was just incredible for the two of us. It was like a life changing moment going, oh, my God, this this is this is something that is living right now. So I've actually got that in the back of the book as well. I've got like a little blurb of us going to the museum, the museum pieces in there, just to give people that history behind it as well. This is an actual story. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is fiction. Yes, we've made up a little bit more to the story, but it is an actual story and an actual folklore. So. Uh, Which which of the art did you see? Is is it the Kyosai one? Uh, I think it's actually called the Hell Courtesan, the piece. Yeah, yeah. So Jingoku Dayu, yeah. Yeah, there is, there's another one of just Jingoku as well. Um, yep. At the very end, uh, I think when she's ascended or something like that, and it's this really beautiful piece with this, like, halo behind her. Absolutely yep. gorgeous. And we saw the one with um, the monk Ikkyu with the dancing skeletons. And I think oh, Chris okay. had just finished that page when we saw it. And then we saw the piece with the dancing skeletons and we just lost our mind because that was exactly what it was. He literally yeah. just drew it and we're like, oh, my God, that's the piece. That's the, <laughs> that's the page I just wrote, you know. So, yeah, it was um, it was really amazing to, to see it in person. And I think the story was just, for me, the story kind of was this little thing that I was playing with. But as I sort of started writing it and as the, pictures started to come and everything like that it evolved into something so much deeper and so much more grittier as a story in the end and I'm just incredibly proud of the piece at the moment um I can't wait to bring it to Supernova Sydney 
Uh, it hasn't debuted at any conventions yet, so we're really excited to oh, sort of. Of course. Oh, yeah, God. we're really excited to see what people think of it when they see it in person on the table. And then we did the um, soft covers, and we've got some of the hard covers actually left. And the hard covers are just spectacular. They are. I think we've only got about nine of them left. We did them for the Kickstarter. And yep. yeah, it's just been amazing. And I think Chris really likes doing the graphic novels as well. Like it takes him a little bit longer, but I think there's more meat to them at the end yep. of the day. So oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to try and sort of now pump out one a year if we can um, sort of play to his strengths, especially with the Japanese stuff, you know, yeah. I looked at his portfolio and I went, this is something that you love drawing. It's something that you're good at. It's something that you enjoy researching. So, you know, we try and, and pair those up. But that was definitely the first one. It went spectacularly. Now we're looking at doing a second one that's involving mermaids because that's another one of his strengths. So, oh, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's really exciting, super exciting. And, of course, he has to do... I've seen some now. pictures from that he's put up on like, Instagram mm. and stuff. looks really, really cool. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he really... Like, I've pushed him further than what a normal mermaid is as well. I've sort of gone, yep. okay, I know you know how to draw a mermaid, but let's think of it in this term or let's put this spin on it or let's, you know, push it that one step further so it's not just plain old mermaids. So, yeah, I'm trying to push him outside the box as well, as well as myself too. You know, I want to write a story that people can sort of get behind and go, okay, I see where you're going with this myth, but let's, you know, flip the table here. Let's put it on its head. Let's really mess it up and see what, what crazy concoction we come out of this. You know, I think of comic writing a bit like cooking, you know, you throw in yeah. a bunch of ingredients to see what you're going to get. Nice. And well, do you want to? Um, oh, sorry, sorry, Joe. Oh, no, no do you want to share any pictures from the comic at all, or you got anything that you've got ready, or which am one? I, am I, the one we're just talking about, the Hell's Quarter. Oh, I can never Hell's pronounce Quarter, it. Sorry. Hell's Quarter. Um, yeah. If you flick to my Instagram, you'll find some pictures there, so you can go steal them from there if you like, or on my Facebook. I put up photos. Okay. Unless you want me to send them to you now. <laughs> Yeah, you can send them to me now. That'd probably be the easiest way if you can do that quickly. Sure, I can get my phone and send them to you um, while I'm talking. See, I'm multitasking. I'm fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can only unitask. So no, that's one fine. thing at a time. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm used to doing this. So, but yeah, um, look, it was a really, really amazing project, and I think it went better than Chris and I had expected in the end. And then he drew these yep. really beautiful pieces, like these three matching artworks of the three main characters together that just blew my mind. I'll try and find those and send those to you because they are just spectacular. Yep. And then, of course, we had a lot of people doing variant artworks and things like that for the Kickstarter that we were able to put in the back of the book as well and give people that little bit of an extra sort of bonus when they got the book as well. Yeah, so, I remember those. Yeah, they were yeah. really, really pretty. So we were really, yeah. really excited and happy to, to have all that. Um, but, yeah, that's just one of the pieces. And this sort of blossomed out of nothing, you know. Um, I met Chris on an actual fly. So at Free Comic Book Day 2019, I think it was, beginning of 2019, um, basically... Kings had it out on that main road in Pitt Street. And if people don't know where Pitt Street is in Sydney, it's one of the main roads in Sydney. And they had a shop there for a while. Basically, his dad worked across the road, saw the line, came down, went, oh, what's what's going on? What's all this stuff? Saw Nicola's artwork, 
bought a piece at the table and then went, oh, yeah, my son draws. So called his son, said, Chris, get your butt down here. Chris got down there, showed Nicola his work. Nicola went, huh, hang on, we have somebody that you might want to work with. Put him onto me. And that was it. After that, just history was made. It was crazy. How awesome is that? That's serendipity. Yeah, it was. It was. It was absolute fate. And he has just been one of the best people to work with. I can't I cannot explain to you how amazing he is as not only an artist, but a creator and a designer and just an all-round everything. You know, we really collaborated on Hell Courtesan. Like it's it's just about as much as my work as it is his now. That's how yeah. much we've really collaborated yeah. on. It. So yeah. Absolutely awesome. We are very proud of it. So I'm finding you some photos now. And it, it's it's something that if, if I may add, if it's something that you should really be proud of because as mm -hmm. as an Asian myself, I've been uh, reading on Japanese folklore for more than two decades now. And once yes. I saw uh, the 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 PDF that you sent me, the the yeah. the, the soft copy that you sent over to me, it blew my mind because it, oh, it was. So, so and glad. I immediately and I and I immediately looked for the piece online. And I'm like, these guys, uh, these guys are crazy. Yeah, we really did put a lot of effort and, and thought into it behind, you know, and there were some moments where um, Chris would actually pick up on me and go, uh, 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 that's not what, you know, a Japanese person would do or say. And I was like, oh, wait, hang on, you know, and I think that was the best part too, is that we yeah. would, we really did go into what it is in that Edo period and yeah. what would be correct for the time pieces and, you know, money and the overall aesthetic of what a Japanese, yeah. whole, you know, whole house looked like and what the monk would look like. And yeah, just everything about it. We, we really did try and make sure that it was sort of, you know, appropriate to that age. And then of course the dialogue too, you know, when they say things and, and they've got the um, Japanese connotations on it as well. You know, we tried to add yeah. that in and, and try and make it sound natural. We didn't want to make it sound forced or stupid or, you know, especially when you're, you know, reading somebody like Jingoku's text versus the, the demon's text, you know, we wanted to have that that balance of, of who was what character and you could easily define their dialogue. Yeah, and what's usually in a lot of stories, and it's uh, if if uh, it's in a lot of stories, the usual things that uh, adaptations get a problem of is how to make the feeling, the entire feeling of the story, feel like it's period accurate. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Yeah, and you pinned that down, and it was that, that's why it was so crazy because it's not just Chris's art; it was also your writing. Yeah, you, yeah. you you pinned down the feeling from. Uh, start to finish and it was crazy yeah and I really wanted to give it that really natural flow you know I hate when stories sort of jump between characters and it's really harsh and there's like a cut in the time or something like that I really try and make those transitions as smooth as possible to get that story from woe to go you know I think that's a really important thing when somebody's reading a graphic novel especially a graphic novel that's a one shot contained in itself that's it you know you don't have the room to continue going with another book on top of that or on top of the next one or whatever. You just have to yeah. tell the whole story really cleanly. And yeah, we've really tried to do that with this one. I think it's been a huge success for us. So we're very, very proud. Yeah. 
and it, was it uh yeah was it chris who uh uh, uh spoke uh, suggested the art design or was it was it you who said that uh, who asked to follow the traditional style uh, uh, the japanese style that uh that you use for the car for the book so i gave him like a rough rundown of the characters and then i of course showed him the, the old artworks and things like that yeah. and i said this is sort of what we're going for and then he started looking up sort of artworks and things like that and then we started looking yeah. up traditional painting from the time period and going okay yeah. we still want that comic book feel which is how the panels are sort of laid out but we wanted mm -hmm. that you know, painterly, Japanese-y sort of brush effect to it. Yeah. Which, you know, he just absolutely nailed. So, yeah, it was kind of a collaboration of both of us. And then he would, you know, throw me some of the sketches. You know, some of the um, actual formatting of the book has his original sketches in it too. So you can see what, what some of his original first artworks were and things like that. So, you know, it took a few back and forth for us to sort of go, okay, well, you know, we like that design, maybe that design. I think we had like three designs for Bish in the beginning mm -hmm. and then we settled on finally this one. Uh, we had about four designs for the Oni in the beginning um, mm -hmm. and then we sort of decided to make him look really spindly and really creepy, like he really didn't have a form. He was just like the mask basically. Yeah. So, yeah, we had, we had a few design things that we were tossing up in the beginning and then we kind of just settled on and what we liked the best and what we thought suited the story the best so okay yeah because uh for context for context for listeners who are not familiar with japanese art uh there's some there's a genre of japanese art they call ukiyoe which is uh basically it uh, it, it comes from wood blocks and silk screens and everything yep. is done by hand yep. so uh, and you can imagine at the well, time sourcing the, the yeah the sourcing the colors for that and and Pinning down that color is usually something that a lot of artists get wrong, and Chris got got it really nice. Yeah, we said we wanted red to be that main kind of color, and then yeah. you know you see the really bright pages when she's working versus the simpler pages when she's not working. Yeah, um, and then everybody's kind of got their color codes. You know, um, Iku's got his uh, black and and yellow because that's mm -hmm. what the monks used. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Goku's got the red and then Bish has got the blue because he's a servant. So we, we really mm -hmm. tried to keep everybody in their color codes so that you could identify those characters really, really easily. Um, the other thing is that Chris actually did a few of the pages by hand. So oh. a couple of those pages are actually done in ink wash and then he's digitally colored them. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a lot of work. Well, just been We've just been asked to show the cover, which I've finally downloaded. My computer was going to be slow. You guys started cutting out. My computer was going so um, crap then. Oh, yeah. That's not good. <laughs> so there's the yeah. cover. So there's the cover cool. of the book. So that's what the book actually looks like in person. Got it from the printers. Doug did all the printing. So very, very excited when I first very saw cool. it. Yeah. So is it any picture in particular you want me to go to? Um, no, just flick through all of them. Just flick through them. Here we go then. Through. So that's one of the inside pages. Uh, Chris had to do about about twenty pages with rain on him, and he just went, "If you do pages with rain on it on it again, I'll kill you." And I went, "Sorry, <laughs> <I'm> sorry." <laughs> you know. Um, 
because they had this wet look to them and everything was wet and it had that sort of shine and he's just like every single page and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it came out amazing in the end. So that's Bish. Yeah, he's getting, yeah he, he got a little little taste of, of Jin Goku's um, flaunting at that point. Um, but yeah, we really tried to keep everything to that period. As you can see, his kimono is um, actually put on the wrong way in this panel. So mm. people who know how kimono is put on will notice that this is put on the wrong way as a humiliation. Yeah. So yeah, we've, you know, these little nuances uh -huh. for people who understand Japanese culture, they'll pick up on them. But, you know, the normal reader can see, obviously, he's done something wrong in this yeah. panel. Yeah. So, and even the red lotus flowers. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. There. Yeah, because in Japanese symbolism, red lotus flowers are associated with uh, hell and death. So uh, it's 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 something nice. It's, these are small things that gets me really excited, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we really <laughs> tried to put in these little nuances for people who would understand them, but it's still a pretty aesthetic for people who might not pick up on it, you know, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how long did it take you to to make uh, Hell Core design, and what was the biggest challenge when working on it? Oh, that's I think beautiful. It took us, yeah, that's one of the prints. So um, I think that's really it took nice. us about yeah. four to five months, mm -hmm. if my memory serves me correctly. Um, the biggest challenge was was doing the hard covers. Um, not only did they cost a fortune, but totally worth it, mind you. Um, they were really hard to format, so when you're formatting a comic book, you have to think of the pages in four page blocks. You can't think of them as, you know, one, two, three, four sort of thing. So I actually ended up being two pages short for the printing, which stressed the hell out of me. So Chris actually had to draw in two pages extra, um, like on the fly. Oh, wow. 24 hours, we got to draw these pages and put them into the format so that the double splash pages will all line up. So when you open the book, you get that beautiful double splash page. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he ended up drawing two extra pages, which actually came out phenomenal. He was actually happier with them the most, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was a huge problem in, in the beginning. But it, it really did also um, teach us how to format things and how to be really conscious of that when I was writing the scripts for future works, you know. Make sure that if you've got a double splash page, it has to be on the odd pages because you know you want to put, you know, extra stuff in the beginning or something like that. So, yeah, it's these little design challenges that you sort of pick up along the way and go, okay, I didn't know that, but now I do. So it's all yeah. a learning curve at the, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, looking at these art, yeah, look at this. Mm. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, he's he's absolutely. This was very much inspired by. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's an anime called XXX Holic. Oh yeah, yeah. These <laughs> yeah. were very much designed and inspired by that because we absolutely love that anime. And I said, well, it'd be nice to have that sort of feel to these prints. Yeah, it it it, it feels. Yeah, and and the color of the skin too. It's how geisha painted their skins at the time yeah and you can see really clearly in that picture that there's like that sort of papery detail over yeah. the picture so it feels like japanese paper 
yes. Mm-hmm. Now that you pointed yeah. out, yeah. 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 I love this. So that was one of Chris's <laughs> bands for the Kickstarter that we did. So he actually yep. drew every single fan for every single person who ordered one. And he custom painted what? them. Yep. Are you serious? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. He did phenomenal work. Like, phenomenal. yeah, that's great. In the Kickstarter as well, we had some uh, in book drawings. So he actually sat at my place and drew them in the books. And then we actually had some um, just some beautiful prints, artwork things as well that he actually drew as well for the Kickstarter. So the people who managed to get those were really, really lucky. Yeah. This was a double splash page in the book. And nice. this one actually i think this one sold on the kickstarter if i'm not mistaken oh, okay yeah so this was one of the ones that he drew by hand and inked by hand and then he put the colors on later Ooh. oh wow yeah because the blacks are really good yeah yeah he, he's fantastic so <laughs> well well uh for I've I've got I've got the chance of, uh, to read uh, Hell Courtesan and uh, and there's philosophical discussion in the story itself and especially how you uh, how you made it your own how you made it uh, specifically your own uh, because it's 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 a little bit different from the original story from the yeah. original lore so yeah. uh, were you in, uh, what was your mindset when uh, when you did the changes i mean how how did you uh, what was uh, were you trying to get a philosophical discussion out of it i i most writers usually are not but that's what i got from it you know um look i really wanted to keep the initial essence of the story yeah. but because there was so little to go off you know i kind of was like okay look uh when i write stuff i do like a what i do a, a call it the human body when i write so I start with the bones, right? Mm-hmm. And I already had yeah. the bones because this story was so small. So I kind of plotted exactly where these these story occurrences would go. And then I went, okay, I got to put the muscles in next, yeah. you know? So I basically did like a, a fl- what I call a flesh run, which is literally doing each page, but you don't break it down into panels or anything. You just write literally what you want on each page. So yeah. I would... I just did that and I went, okay, well, this is how I want it to go. And then I think I did about mm, six or seven of those drafts where I was just mm-hmm. cutting or adding or this doesn't make sense or this doesn't flow right. You know, then you actually do the the rest of it, which is the skin and all the details, which is actually fleshing out the script. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when, when I did this, I kind of went, okay, well, I have these really huge gaps to fill with stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went, okay, first off, whole house super easy to fill for me like no pun intended really easy to fill um i know the context i know the setting i know the characters that would be in there and i thought okay you know you have to have you have to show her the clients you have to show her behind the scenes you have to show the manager of the place you have to introduce bish who was sort of my villain of it all because the original story really didn't have a villain yeah. It had the demon and that was about it. So I'm like, okay, how am I going to put the demon to all of this? And then, of course, she had the um, the coat that had the demon mask on it that kind of moves. Yeah. He moves everywhere. So 
you know, I filled it with that. And then you get to the main point where you, of course, you find the monk who comes. So, you know, her interaction with the monk, how long does it take him to sort of sway her over? Because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, then yeah. you've got to show her transition from that. And you've got to show Oni getting angry and what's he going to do? What would he do in this situation? And then, mm -hmm. of course, her, you know, sort of relapsing, but realizing that the, the, the demon is wrong and that she's got to do the right thing. So... Yeah, it was sort of a bit back and forward and going, okay, what would I like to read? What would somebody who's reading this story like to read? You know, what are the key things that I like to put in? Um, I don't hold back at all. Um, if a story needs, you know, there's one scene which is a little bit harsh where Bish kind of gets beaten up. Yep. I didn't hold back on it. I kind of went, well, that's part of the, the time period. It's part of the story. Yep. It's part of the characters. Yep. You know, it gives them it gives them a soul at the end of the day. Yep. And I yeah. think that sometimes people do hold back and they do go, okay, we, we don't want to put that in because it's, you know, politically incorrect or whatever. But if you're writing for that time period, you got to think of that yeah, time period. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. True. Yes. So I, yeah, I did, I did do a lot of research into things. I found some really cool little artworks and things like that and some images that I was kind of like, oh, I want to do that scene. I want to write that scene, you know, and I kind of elaborated on it and just really filled those gaps out that would help the story flow at the end of the day and, and still keeping that bone structure underneath, which is the, the important part of the story. It's just one graphic novel. Yeah, so I'll let you answer that one. <laughs> and I'm like, just one graphic novel. Um, yeah, Chris, Chris and I like doing these sort of one-shots because once they're done that's it you know you get a really beautiful story you get a really beautiful product that you can read over and over and over again um it's yeah. it's like a, a storybook of art so yeah we'll be yeah. doing more of them but in different genres basically oh yeah cool yeah yeah and the book itself it was at, le at the very least in my opinion was it felt like a philosophical discourse it was more mm. a lot of themes about humanity and existentialism and you know and yeah i did a lot of researching into um uh, what was the name of them i can't remember the the monks um sort of religion but i went completely into that like i dove so far into that and i was like what am i reading here you know i it was almost like restarting buddhism or something i was like oh my god what 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 have I gotten myself into? But um, <laughs> you have to just filter through everything to get those really important and key little phrases that you want to build on. And especially yep. when that there's a page in it where he's, you know, drawing on Jingoku's back with the um, brush ink. Mm -hmm. That conversation that's going on was pretty much the, the entire of my research condensed down to one page. And it's, a really important page on showing how the monk views humanity versus how she views humanity yeah. and especially when he's having that conversation with the oni over the fish pond too mm -hmm. and it's the first moment that he realizes that he doesn't completely have a full grip on her anymore you know she's like i don't yeah. i don't need your your treasures i don't need your trinkets anymore and um yeah we we really tried to show that it was a little bit you know deeper than than just a normal graphic novel would be it's not a crime thriller it's not you know um a sci-fi book it was a, a historical journey really 
into this yeah. really old story that a lot of people may not know about and now get to relive in a more modern and new light. And more people should read it. Really, I, I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, Shane, I, I broke Shane's ear from me talking about your book. Really, but he's, he's been hearing it from me nonstop since the first day I, I read it. But yeah, people yeah. should really give this book a read because it's not only uh, a type of story that you tell on the fly and you read in an afternoon. It's 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 something that makes you think deeper. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you read it over and over again, if you look at the artwork in the background after you've read it, so you read it once, you get the gist of it. You read it a second time, you start to get the nuances. You read it a third time, you really start to notice what we've hidden in the background of those pages. Yeah. Like we specifically started to hide things in the back of these pages for those reasons, and it was. Oh, I better get to reading third time then. Yeah, it was oh. so much fun doing it. <laughs> just hit all these little little pictures and stuff like that, and you know, sometimes you don't look at it, and then you you suddenly see the Oni in the back of like this really tiny picture, and you're like, wait, what's he doing there? You know, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, we really really did enjoy doing that, and when the pages kept coming out, I just every time I saw them, I pretty much just wanted to cry. I was just like, it's so beautiful. To answer the question that was on screen before, um, I had to do a lot of research, a lot of research. I'm not going to lie. If you want to be a good comic book writer, you need to do your research, especially if you're going to write like I do, which is folklore and, and mythology and things like that. Um, yeah. You yeah. really have to get it right, especially if you're retelling something that's already been told as well like if you're telling something that's been told for the first or second time yeah okay fair enough you can fudge a few of the details if you're telling something that has a really deep meaning has a connection to a culture you have to pay respect to that and you have yeah. to do yeah. work of course yeah yeah and a lot especially uh, especially for a lot of people uh if someone got um something that i've been reading for two decades wrong it, it it will it will rub me the wrong way and i'm very happy that uh this went uh very very right yeah because it was yeah, so we've, good we've put a lot of work into it uh i think it's about 90 pages i think the book is like 120 all up um because of the extra content we put in the back of it but i think the yeah, actual nice. story is 90 pages so it's quite a hefty chunky thing that you can pick up and read yeah it's a good yeah it's a good solid story yeah, we want to see if it's in front of me, but it's it's not within reach. So <laughs> it's over there, but I can't see it. <laughs> well, what do you think makes Hellcourt design uniquely NSK? And well, what what's your signature? Uh, how did you put your signature on it? I know it's it's <laughs> an, uh, it's 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 a different story from a different time, but what yeah. what did you do to make it uniquely yours? Um, I'm, this is really really bad, but I'm gonna say it. <sighs> I can't help writing porn. I just, it just <laughs> everything that I do, sadly. And I try and avoid it as best that I can, but it just sneaks its way in there. So um, I think people coming from reading, you know, Fox and Hound, they saw the similarities a little bit um, when they read Hell Quarters and went, oh, first few pages, there's, you know, a sex scene. But um, <laughs> I think the thing that made it sort of uniquely me was the transitions in the story. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that sits in the back of my mind after hearing quite a few um, writers talk and things like that, um, 
is that transitions are really, really important. And yeah. it just, it can make or break a story. You know, getting that flow right makes or breaks a story. And I really tried, especially coming from an arts background, to mm -hmm. depict these pages in that art form and really just even each page has that flow to it. You know, mm -hmm. those panels yeah. sit where they're supposed to. The dialogue sits where it's supposed to. And I've tried to sort of put that stamp on everything that I do now. I'm very much aware of it. I'm very invested in it. And mm -hmm. I hope that it translates through each story that I write, you know, especially with the changing genres. You know, Fox and Hound is so completely different to Hell Courtesan. Oh, yeah. But if you read them and you look at that, story flow of each of them i hope both of them are on par with each other yeah they, they are and um what's this i'll tell something uh when you say that you can't help write porn it's it's not porn i'll i'll tell you straight <laughs> up it's not okay, porn. Yeah, it's, hound is. It's, let's just say that fox and hound yeah. is fan service yeah. but no, hell because... elevated that a little bit yeah because <laughs> it um, in in my opinion, porn takes uh, it, it, it takes uh, what's this? Porn is hard to make tasteful, you know. Mm. And a lot of your work is very very tasteful. It's sexy and it's it has nudity in it, but it's tasteful. Yeah, which look, is, yeah. One of the things that that is sort of my go to book is definitely Greg Rucker's uh, Batwoman, and I bring this up all the time like I've got it tattooed on my wrist you know it's it's <laughs> it's my it's my bible um there is a piece in it where there's a sex scene going on over the top of a fight scene mm -hmm. and I love it because it is so tastefully done yeah and it juxtaposes that fight scene so well and I'm like that is what I want to aspire to that's the work that I want to do. I don't want to make it this gratuitous nude scene, you know, where someone's yeah. coming out of the shower or something like that. I want it to have a purpose. I want it to have meaning. I want it to give the book an elevation that it should have at the end of the day. Yeah. It's not just yeah. sex for sex, you know, but, yeah. you know, it does sneak in all yeah. the time. <laughs> Whether I like it or not, it's just in there. So. It's, it's wanting to, to write sensual stories like that and ha have them be really, really, really meaningful, you know? So Yeah, and look, if the story is going that way, I kind of just let it go that way. Like if I know that somebody's going to get beaten up or somebody's going to fall down a hole or, you know, whatever, it, it, the story is obviously pushing me towards that way. So I let the story go. If the story feels like it's going that way, I'll just let it go that way. And sometimes that's the best thing you can do because the story is coming out of you naturally and you're not forcing it and going, oh, shit, what am I going to write in these next 10 pages, you know? Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And Dave Dye was correct with what he said. Art, go to an art gallery and there's, uh, there's, there's nudity in it. So yeah. That, yeah, that there's absolutely. no problem about it as long as it tells a story. As long as it's yeah. poignant to the story and not just cheesecake or beefcake. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, except okay. except in Fox now, then we'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, well, then let's Fox move on to a, a lot different of fun story of yours. Yes, which one? Which one? Uh, let's let's talk about the circle. I've also seen the circle. Uh, can you, can you tell us quickly about the circle for those who 
haven't seen it so far? Sure. So it's only, it's what we call an ash can. It's only 10, mm -hmm. 10 pages long. Um, I usually try and get artists who I'm working with for the first time to do one of these just mm -hmm. to see how they go with the work. Um, yeah. This was Chris's first work with me. So we talked about it. I said, okay, look, you know, his portfolio had fairies all over it. I went, cool, let's do a fairy story. Um, this wasn't your average fairy story. This is yeah. really melancholy. It's really somber, but it has such a powerful message at the end of it. And the artwork is just smashing. Hello. Um, so basically, um, he smashed it out really, really quickly. And no. when I saw the artwork, I was just completely blown away. I was like, okay, you know what you're doing. You're listening to what I'm saying in my scripts. You're reading them properly and you're finding exactly what I've got in my head and pulling it yeah. out, which is exactly <laughs> what you want out of your artist. Yeah, if exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Envision things the way that you kind of envision them more and you're on the same wavelength. It's, it doesn't work. So, uh, yes, there is nothing wrong with cheese or beef, but um, <laughs> yeah, with, with, the, with the circle, um, Chris did an amazing job of making this really, really sad little story. It's about a, a grandma telling the story of why her mum left her. Um, mm -hmm. And basically, you see that you follow the mum through the story, and she basically, unfortunately, has a drug problem, mm. but the drug sort of puts her into this mythical fantasy fairy world where you know she's taken away by the fairy king but it's not the fairy king it's actually the drug that kills her so you know the grandma's trying to tell her in a really sweet way why her mother mm -hmm. left and yeah it's actually got a really really sad ending to it but the artwork is just spectacularly beautiful and it complements the work so well so yeah it's yeah, just and a little pen we, we loved it. Um, people were really, really excited when they first saw it. You know, the cover was stunning. So, yeah. And there was there was uh, a sprinkle of uh, of uh, Celtic mythology in it too. So Yeah, absolutely. Sort of oh, nice. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I like, like I said before, I love my mythology. Yeah. I love my folklore. I try and put it, or try and write as much as I can. Um, mm. I just love researching it. I've been researching it since I was probably eight years old. I can remember having this gigantic, thick encyclopedia sort of thing of mythology as a kid. And yeah, I just kind of go from there. I've actually got two more pieces in, in the works at the moment with Chris mm -hmm. that are based on mythology and folklore. So Ooh, I kind I'm of- I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> drawing it at him going, draw this, draw this. So, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And actually, I will send you, yeah. if I've got the cover, I will send it to you. Um, oh, yes. My next pieces with Chris, and this will probably be. Ooh, uh, a that's an exclusive. Sneak peek of the cover. Sneak for the next peek. One. Yes. That's so, cool. um, but yeah, no, it, it's a really cute, somber story. Um, what was the other one you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, I've also gotten around uh, reading some of the other ones. Uh, I've, I've got, I've got, a, I've seen Clockwork. Which is uh, an, yeah. another, yeah, so another first, first book mm -hmm. ever clockwork. Oh wow! It another, it's a... another ten pager. Mm -hmm. So it was the first time I actually did um, any lettering on my own as well, and I did oh. all the formatting on my own, and yeah, I just really, really learnt 
from that experience and it was a lot of fun to do um i love the little story again really weird little sort of somber story yeah the, you know the apprentice gets revenge on the clockmaker really weird little twist on just a normal story and yeah a lot, lot of fun to do a lot of fun to do um yeah, and these stories, uh, the circle, uh, clockwork, they play on hope and despair a lot. And I, I've seen that pattern over there. And how do, you, how do you balance those? How do you play with what you want your readers to feel uh, when they're reading your your uh, stories? Um, honestly, I just want the readers to enjoy the story at the end of the day. And I want to give yeah. them something that they usually wouldn't read. Um, I think that, you know, if you do something that's basically the same thing over and over and over again, people are going to get bored of it. You know, superheroes, yes, I don't mind writing them, but they are not the be all and end all of my world. You know, um, yep. I, I feel like Thankfully. there's a dime a dozen superhero yeah. stories. I'm trying to push the genre of comics to a whole new level as to where it should be and where it could be. You know, I've seen some amazing works come out in the years, especially from Image, from Vault. Yeah. You know, they're my benchmarks where I want to be as a writer and where I want to be as a storyteller in general. Mm -hmm. And I think that people need to move away from what is, uh, you know, what is traditional comics into mm -hmm. what they can be or could be in the future. And yes. what they can be and could be are something incredible. You know, these things are, are pretty much, you know, story art books now. That's why they're called graphic novels. They're, yeah. they're story art books. So I think that that's definitely something that we try and strive for at the end of the day. Yeah, and, you know, these are what, I I mean, from from what I've seen, the, uh, some of your um, ash cans, is that, is that correct? Yeah, little ash cans. Yeah, yeah I've got quite yeah, a few of them now. Yeah, and what what I've seen is that they're they're akin to what we what I can consider as adult fairy tales. They're they're yeah they're they're very other uh, adult in themes. They they play on hope, despair, and uh, and uh, what's this? Basically, how people would think about how they exist, and yeah. it's the the fee the feeling is it's it's very different yeah you're exactly correct and so do you, do you intend these to happen or do, do you make the direction of your stories to go there or do they just develop naturally as you go with the stories they kind of just happen naturally really i just kind of get an idea and then i kind of go okay can i elaborate on this idea or not you know i think i have a huge sort of um folder just in my drive of mm -hmm. basically just plot notes or images that could potentially become stories at the end of the day, you know, and you mm -hmm. just don't know what, what's going to happen with them. Sometimes I've got a story that's sitting there for months on end or years on end. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what mm -hmm. I'm going to do with this. And then it just goes bang. And you're like, wow. Okay. Where did that come from? Sort of thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah, it just depends on who you find, what you want to do, what you want to write, and then what comes to you that day. Sometimes I don't even feel like writing. Sometimes I'm sitting there going, well, that was a bad day, you know, and then you read back on it and you go, oh, God, what did I write? You know, what was what was this yeah. garbage that I wrote today? 
but sometimes it works and it sits and mm -hmm. it fits well and you're like okay this is this is fitting this is working i find that with um fox and hound quite a lot that that it just flows out of me the girls just come from nothing so <laughs> yeah um basically I, yeah i've just got so much stuff sitting in the background you know you could ask me if it's like i don't know from gamers to witches to you know stories about bees i've just got things everywhere i've got something for every everybody basically right <laughs> so uh okay so uh that okay so tamir gaylord is asking uh a lot of the stories that you tell are folklore history mythology are they inspired uh, but are they inspired by your own life good question really i wish i had that life um <laughs> that, right? i wow, wish i had that life. um yes this, so this is this is one of the newer ones this is a bit of a sneak peek of what the cover is going to look like um it's not really based on my life i try and give the characters their own lives if that makes sense i kind of mm -hmm try and breathe something different into them um i really do try and think about what the character is and what they're oh here comes my cat um, <laughs> i knew who was going to interrupt at some point um so i'll give you the example with these two this is a story that means a lot to me it's very dear to my heart um i used to get read this story as a kid and it's oh wow yeah wow. the story is called diamonds and toads and it it's something that stuck in my mind ever since i was like five years old and i have now put my own spin on it and i've brought this really old story you know I, you say this to people you go you know the story diamonds and toads and people go what what i've never heard of that and i'm bringing it into a whole new century um these girls some of their backstory, some of their attitude does come from me. Um, I put it in a European setting. My background is European. So yep. I know where these girls are. I know what they're doing. I know their language. I know their, their you know, terminology. I know the environment. I know the politics and things like that. So, yeah, a lot of me has bled into this story. Um, mm -hmm. And then you've got something like Fox and Hound, which just has none of me in it whatsoever. It's just <laughs> purely them. So it is a bit of give and take of both. Um, sometimes you do find yourself, you know, as a writer, unfortunately bleeding into things. And sometimes you're like, well, this character is totally not me, but I'm dying to, you know, get this character who is not me out because yeah. I would never do something this crazy or I would never do something this unexpected. But this would be so cool if I could, you know, you know, like I'd never swim with sharks ever, ever, no way. <laughs> but I would 100% write a shark swimming character because if it called for it, it calls for it, you know, <laughs> so with me as a person, no, 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 no. You won't even get me near a beach. You know, I hate the water. So, yeah. I've been like that since I was this high and I watched Jaws. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, my 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 dad was watching Meg the Megalodon movie the other day, and I was just like, I'm out, I'm out, bye. You know, I'm not dealing with this. So, well, for well, I'm a, I'm an aspiring creative writer myself. Uh, I, I will admit, and I still have oh, 
one this one story that uh, is still in fragments in my PC. So yeah. what what is your advice to people like me who, who want to write comic book stories and are struggling at it, you know? Okay. First thing, do your research. And that doesn't mean just in story-wise, that means as in writing-wise. Look mm -hmm. at other writers, look at other comic books, find what you like. So my stuff, I love Greg Rucker. I love mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the guys who did Hexed. I love the guys who did Heathen from Vault. Yeah. Um, Lowe is one of my favorite comics of all time. The artwork and the story is just magnificent and use that as your benchmark go okay i'm not going to copy them but this is where i aim to be you know this is where i'm going mm -hmm. to get to and then start working once you tighten up that script once you start getting a flow for it start writing little mm -hmm. things write two pages five pages ten pages you know you yeah. don't have to write a, a 90 page graphic novel in one day you can write these little tiny stories and just put them in a file somewhere on a back burner or, you know, hit up an artist and go, hey, I'm looking for somebody to do or collaborate a project with me, you know? Yeah. And then if you can successfully get that done, that shows that you've got the stamina, you've got the drive, you've got mm -hmm. the, the you know, the guts to do it. And then you just keep doing that. You just keep putting yeah. out these little tiny things. Have the big graphic novel to the side, but rewrite it a couple of times or write it and then put it down for a couple of years and go back to it. I have pieces mm -hmm. that I wrote right at the very beginning of when I started that I've still got sitting back on a back burner. And I still know that I'm not ready to write them yet because they're so massive, a project. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there in that yeah. skill level yet. So, you know, if you're starting, start small, do your research mm -hmm. into script writing, do your research into the comic books that you want to aspire to be, and then do your research into the story, whether it be, you know, fantasy, uh, sci-fi, mm -hmm. historical drama, romance, just do all that research and then get yourself out there. And then again, don't be afraid to just jump onto social media and go, you know, go to the groups, go, hey guys, I'm looking for somebody to do 10 pages with me, you know, who wants yeah. to collaborate and do something and, you know, see what happens. And I think that's the hardest part is finding somebody who will collaborate with you. You'll, you'll, you know, yeah. as they always say, you break a couple of eggs to make an omelet. So yeah, it's for, for people who want to do it, it's really, really fun. The indie mm -hmm. world's picking up now really, really well. So if you've yeah. got ideas, don't be afraid to get them out there. And comics is just a fantastic medium to be in at the moment. Like it's just completely evolving and changing to what it used to be. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. It's just awesome. it's just getting better and better. It seems the indie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and yeah. the Australian talent scene is getting huge as well, which is fantastic. You know, we it's need awesome. more writers. We need more artists. We need more people creating down here, so that America goes, "Oh crap, there's there's talent down there. Let's go steal it." You know. <laughs> so. No, don't steal it. No. <laughs> well, come no and fund us, people. Okay. Come, come, yeah, come and yeah. fund us, you know. Let's make fund a, us, let's yes, fund us. That's even house. better. Make a publishing exactly. house down here, please. You know, so, yeah. That is my advice. Even though I've only been doing this for five years, if you want to take it, take it. If you don't, <laughs> feel free to. <laughs> well, you've been doing it successfully, if, if there's anything Very to that. 
Yeah. Look, no. it's it's a passion of mine, and I think that even though there is a success behind it, as some people can see or I can see or whoever, at the end of the day, the seeing the books is what brings me the most joy. It's not about the money. It's not about no. you know getting a publishing deal. It's not about any of that. It is literally seeing those books at the end of the day and going, wow, I created this. And I think that moment came when Hell Courtesan got put in King's Comics in Sydney. Yep. I think I burst into tears when I got the email saying that it's going to be put in the store. And I took it in like the next day and I was just so excited to see that book <laughs> go into a store. You know, I That's awesome. When, when, you, when you get that moment, it's, it's a you know, a absolute blessing. So, yeah, that's what I live for. That's why I do this. I do this yeah. to, to see people get the joy out of it, to see the book and to see it in stores. So, that's awesome. Well, um, that's, uh, we could probably go into more, but I think we'll leave it at that. We're at the hour mark. Almost, almost, almost. Um, is there anything, is there anything, is there like a link you want me to share with people or um, just whack it in the private chat if you want? If oh, there sure. is, if there isn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll send it out to everyone. Perfect, perfect. I'll link uh, the Instagram, I'll link the Facebook page and you guys can go and have a look and yeah, do the thing. Yeah. Cool. And, oh, we got some comments, hang on. Oh, oh sure. <laughs> I really hope you do. I really hope you do because that's that's the joy of it. I had somebody uh, who found me a couple of years in Supernova and then they came back then the, the next time I was in Sydney and they said, oh, do you have anything new? Because I really want more. And I was just like, oh, I have a fan. No. Um, <laughs> my first fan. Um, yes, I will provide links where you can get all the books from as well in the in the chat. Oh, awesome. Yeah, awesome. I'll give you Are they the same ones in your profile? out of curiosity in the, the comics profile do you have links to your store in there do you know uh, and i'll just yes. check rather yeah, than I asking you and i could just check pretty sure it links to my website which has a store in it yeah cool yeah or you can pm me on facebook um i'm happy to send you out more than just the books you know i've got heaps of merch still left over so yeah hit me up oh, anytime nice. i will send you out some freebies as well for being on the show Woo. Google's playing with my site. <laughs> oh, that's new. Thank you, Internet. Uh, I, I set up something the other day to just try to find out what it did, and it's just done it. That's that's full on. I wasn't expecting that. It's this massive ad at the top of my um, page now. I wasn't oh, expecting fun. that at all. Fun. It's like bigger than the, the title thing. Here you are. I'm back at you guys. Um... I love technology. Isn't technology great? Yeah, especially <laughs> when you're not used to it. Yeah. Yeah, just send it out to everyone. The link to there, sure. it's got your shop, it's got your uh, Instagram, it's got all your your links to everything, so I thought that's probably the easiest one to send out. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, to the just... people in the group, in the group, you won't be able to see this actually. I can't post to groups for some reason, so I will have to create a banner. Doing it on the fly. Woo. Yeah, and as an advertisement to how uh, to Nicole's work, really, guys. It, it, wherever you see her work, grab a copy because. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, I'm going to be at Supernova in June in Sydney. So if you're in Sydney, absolutely stop by the booth. Come and say hi to me and Chris. We'll have all the yeah. stock there. We'll have extras there. We're selling heaps and heaps of stuff. So come by, you know, have a chat with us. Feel free to just hang out and, you know, have fun. So, yeah, definitely in Sydney, hit us up. Yeah. Wish could be. Wish I could be. <laughs> I'm Brisbane boy, too far away. <laughs> That's all right. We'll get there eventually maybe, again. Maybe next year. Maybe next. Maybe year when COVID finishes, we'll be back. Yeah, so <laughs> definitely. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Nicole. It was an absolute pleasure. pleasure having you on again. Thank you for um, having me back. Oh, our pleasure, definitely. Um, now that you've talked about some of the books I haven't read, slack me. I now have to read them now that I've heard about them. Um, Drome, Drome has gone about them, but he's... Uh, describe them a little better this time that I'm like, yep, okay, I need these. I need these in my life. I need these in my life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. thank you very much. Um, no, thank you. Well, have a, yep. Um, have a great afternoon. Thank you to everyone who joined us. Um, and um, yeah, cool. I'm knocking things down off my <laughs> shelf here. <laughs> Before I get tumbled in the technology, I will let everyone go. Okay. See you, see guys. you all. Good night. See you guys. Bye. See ya. Bye-bye.